What's up, guys? Thanks for coming to our Kaafa and Miss You podcast. Here, you will find resources to help you grow in real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. So you can learn to love Jesus, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy. I had a girlfriend, and she uh, tended to be slightly demanding and a tad bit inconsistent with her feelings. But to me, she was the girl of my dreams. Everything the shallow me would have wanted and everything to distract me from the fact that I could no longer play college baseball. And so I would do everything for her. I would plan out our dates in the most creative ways. I would write sweet letters to her. I would plan my whole week around seeing her, and the majority of my time was spent with her, which all of that is probably the average description of any college relationship. So one night, I planned a date down to the smallest details. For example, the cleanliness of the car, I planned out. The way the car smelled, I planned that out. I planned the exact route to the restaurant to have the best views for the best conversation that made me seem that much more romantic. I planned the exact spot on the baseball field where you could see the stars best, which really there's no, it's a small field compared to the sky, so I was just stupid. But I would do things like that. And people would hear about these things and tell me things like how thoughtful I was and how sweet I was or what a good boyfriend I was. And I really did think so. But it just wasn't quite that simple. I really did do all those things from what I thought was a genuine place But it was really all for me. I didn't actually do those thoughtful things for her, although I wouldn't have said that. I actually did them for me. Because really, I wanted her to be with me. I wanted her to want to be with me. I wanted her to love me. I wanted her to think I was the best boyfriend she ever had have, had, had, and ever would have. Everything I did was never really about her. It was about me. It wasn't really about what she was getting. It was about what I was getting as a result of what she was getting. And this is usually how it is more in relationships than I think you might think. It's not really about the other person. It's usually about what you want out of it. The love you hope you get back from him or her. The faithfulness you hope is promised to you by your affection for them. And so this makes me ask the question, how unselfish can a selfish person be? And in the same way, many people will do this with God. There are people who do many Christian things on the outside, but really, it's all for them. But no matter what you and I do on the outside, God always looks at the heart. He knows the real reason why you live the way that you do. Which brings up the question, how Christian can a counterfeit be? Before Sean came, we had started a series called Counterfeit Conversion. And I did think in the, I was in the, felt like the Lord was like, you need to clarify this. And I was like, okay. We're not bringing this up so that everyone can go out like headhunters and be like, counterfeit, 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 counterfeit. You know, like, so you can go hunting and like free range on every counterfeit convert you can ever find. This is meant for each one of us individually, and even in writing these, like this is for me also. It's meant for each of you to look at yourself and ask, is this me? Because sure, 
it would feel really nice and very ego. Uh, what's that word called? Um, what's that called? You, what? No, like when you uh, pat someone's ego. What's the other word? Stroke. E stroke your ego. It'd be like <laughs> ego boost. I'm like stroke the horse. You know, whatever. Um, it would feel really nice for our ego as Chi Alpha if there were 500 of us. But it wouldn't matter if none of it was real in any of us. Does it make sense? If after everyone left, we never hear from anybody again, we see that we look just like any other uh, typical nominal American Christian where they say they love God, but their life looks no different from anyone else around, like it would do nothing. And it would, it would be nice for our ego for a moment, but nothing would be changed, and that would be awful. And so the point of this is for each of us, staff, student included, to say, is this me? So, what are God's thoughts <clears throat> about a true and a counterfeit Christian? Because every Christian action and feeling can be imitated and duplicated. And so we want to answer the question, how Christian can a counterfeit be? So let's pray and we'll <clears throat> talk about it. Jesus, Lord, we want to be real with you. We want to be honest with you. Help us, Jesus, to not lie to ourselves, to lie to others, or to be afraid of lying to you. Help us, God, to want to be truthful, to want to own what you see, and help us, God, to want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I am very much a, an everything-has-to-make-sense-and-be-coherent kind of guy, which led to me maybe getting a little wordy and windy with some of my old sermons, I'm trying my best not to do that. Um, Tristan didn't like them. He told me all about it. Which means <clears throat> that when my wife says something like, I want to start being better with money, but then two days later says, hey, can you bring me Wendy's? I think, but isn't that spending money that we don't have to spend when we have food at home? Or she'll say, I really want to get healthy again, start working out, kind of be more fit. But then she says, can you get me a four for four for dinner? And I'll think, but didn't you just say you wanted to be healthy? To which she says, well, yeah, I'm only eating Wendy's for dinner, not for lunch and dinner, so that is healthier. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, yeah, in a very unhealthy way, that is healthier. And so this mindset also makes me ask questions about things that God says in the Bible that he really does have good answers for and only a genuine hungry heart can find, we'll be able to find them. Someone who just doesn't want the answer and wants things to be false won't look for the answers that are there, but that's neither here nor there. But maybe it is here and there. <clears throat> so some people... <laughs> Did you make a comment, Tristan? <laughs> so like some people who want to make a difference in the world, they'll think that the Bible isn't forward enough about issues to do it. It's not hard enough on the evil in the world. But Jesus would say things like this. He would say, you've heard it said that you should and shall not commit adultery. You have sex with someone other than the person you're married with. But I tell you that whoever looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. And so I would ask the question like this to someone who'd be like, the Bible isn't hard enough on the evil in the world. I'd say, okay, you're married. Imagine you're married. Would you be okay with your spouse having sex with other people? If you love them, this is like, I love you. I want to be with you forever. You know, let's assume we're all like normal here and we're not like, let's get all crazy with it, you know? 
And so m most who really actually love someone would probably say, no, I would not be okay with that, and nothing about that would be okay with me. And so I say, okay, how would you feel if your husband or wife told you, I won't ever cheat on you, like I never will, but I really, really, if I'm honest, I wish I could. I think about it all the time. I see other guys or girls, and I think about being with them, and I just, I want, I wish I could. I think about it, I dream about it, I fantasize about it, but I'm, I'm never going to actually do it. Like, would you be okay with that? I'd ask them. And again, <clears throat> someone reasonable and not all weird about it would, be, would say no. And I'd say, well, why not? They're not cheating on you. And most wouldn't know how to explain why exactly they're not okay with it or at least do it succinctly. But even though someone can't explain it's because they know it means they don't have their heart. Does it make sense? They won't sleep with someone, but in their mind they wish they could. Their actions may belong to you, but their heart doesn't, is what that says. And that's how many in the church are with God. They give Him their actions, but their heart belongs to themselves. And Jesus had said the same thing about the Pharisees when He quoted from Isaiah. He said, These people honor Me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It is the heart, the supreme choice in life that reveals if you are a counterfeit or not. Again, if God is who he says he is in the Bible, then it is his estimation of you and me that matters. It will do us no good to define right and wrong for ourselves and what God is like and how we like him to be and how I feel like he should be that day <clears throat> if it's not true. Because God is the one who will look at our hearts. God is set on changing every heart of every man and every woman in this world and restoring it to this original idea and original hope He had for us. God looks at the supreme thing you choose to live your life for. It is the heart, the ultimate choice that a man lives for that determines whether you are a true Christian or not in God's sight. If the heart is wrong, everything else is wrong. It doesn't matter how much is done outwardly. Either your heart is set on serving Jesus supremely, or it is usually set on serving yourself supremely. You are either loving or you are selfish. You either live intelligently or unintelligently. You either belong to God or you do not. <clears throat> either you wake up daily with the purposes of God on your mind or ways to advance your wants instead. You think about loving and honoring Him, or... You think about ways to satisfy yourself and get what's yours. And God doesn't want the things you do. He wants your heart. Because once He has your heart, it changes everything you do. The Apostle Paul, in multiple other places, the Bible talks about examining yourself to see that you are in the faith. If you really want to know God, then you must humbly evaluate, why do I do the things that I do? And who exactly do I do them for? But, if you really want to love and live for yourself, then having your Christian actions questioned will usually make you feel defensive and angry and very closed off, which maybe some are feeling now. You usually, if that's you, you will refuse to believe that you could be a counterfeit, or you will run to someone else that will affirm, using something from the Bible, that you're a real Christian. Does that make sense? So how does this actually look? What are these subtle differences between someone who genuinely loves God and someone who wants to use God? 
I've watched relationships where there's a girl who really wants to follow God and is dating some doorknob, and she makes... Did Tristan say something to you again? I was just kidding. And so she makes her boundaries and her expectations clear. But she's not maybe discerning enough to see that this guy really doesn't love God. She doesn't see that he's really all about himself and wants nothing to do with the Lord. But then there's another relationship where a woman of God is dating a mature man of God. And so they both, both women, tell their boyfriends, I don't want to get physical until marriage. And both of them say, that makes sense, I agree. But one guy agrees because he wants to obey and honor the God he loves. The other guy agrees because he wants this girl and to have her means agreeing to these demands. One guy would have set the same boundaries, even if she didn't. The other guy would have gladly slept with her as soon as, as, soon as she was willing. But both in action look the same, although their hearts are completely opposite. One agrees because he loves God. The other agrees because he loves himself. And what he wants most is this girl. And so this is with the Christian and the counterfeit. Now I'm going to give you some examples. And I would recommend that if any of these apply to you, you write them down and take, take them honestly <clears throat> to the Lord so that He can examine your heart. So, the counterfeit may want to glorify God in word and still be unsaved. The Christian does this because he loves God and wants to see Him glorified. The counterfeit does it because he believes this is the way to be saved and he desires his own beneficial end. The counterfeit may want to repent because he is afraid if he doesn't, he'll be lost. The Christian repents because he hates sin itself because it dishonors God. They may both believe in Jesus, the Christian because he loves him, the other so that he has a hope of heaven. They may both feel like obeying God, the Christian because he wants to be more like his Lord, the counterfeit, because he wants the rewards of being obedient to his Lord. The desires are the same, but the heart in each case is totally different. One is saved, the other is not. They may also agree in the way they actually feel, their affections <clears throat> and the resolutions towards certain things. So the counterfeit may even love, as far as your feelings are concerned, such things as the Bible and prayer and discipleship. And they may even love Jesus, yet still be unsaved, because feelings are not the true test of faith. God sees the heart, and the essential difference is this. The Christian loves God with the unselfish love of trust and obedience, because he sees the character of God and sees that he is supremely worthy to be known and followed. The counterfeit loves God with this feeling of a buddy-buddy kind of affection because he thinks God is a particular friend that is going to give him all that he wants and make him happy forever. The Christian loves God because he is overwhelmed by the reality that God has loved us first. The counterfeit loves God because he thinks God is going to save him from hell. The Christian loves God for who he is. The counterfeit loves God for what he gives. One seeks the giver and the other seeks his gifts. One gives himself to God to do whatever God asks of you. The other comes to get whatever he can for himself because his own happiness and his own life are still his purpose. A man may even hate sin 
and yet not forsake it, being no more a Christian than the devil is. For example, how often do addicts hate drugs because of what they do to them, but they don't actually hate it for itself, for its own sake? They hate their bad effects, but they love the drugs themselves. Both the counterfeit and the Christian may attend church or religious meetings. They may even pray in secret. They may even be self-denying and be willing to suffer death for Jesus. Yet even in these, the basic motive of why they're doing it may be absolutely opposite. One has truly changed his direction and supreme purpose of life to living from himself to living for God. His life is moved and marked by love. He unselfishly chooses the highest good of God and His universe. The other has merely changed the means of serving Himself from the secular to the religious, and His life is usually marked and motivated by Himself, by selfishness. He wants His own happiness above the interests of everyone else in the universe, including God. Now the question you must consider is, Is this me? Which one? Am I? And I know the Holy Spirit wants and is telling each of you what is true about yourself, if you will listen. God doesn't want you for the things you can do for Him, but because He wants what's best for you. He wants you because He is so utterly unselfish that He thinks about and longs for you to choose what is objectively right. God wants your heart because Whatever has your heart changes your whole life. So allow me to explain that with this final story. There was a girl that had a rotten, just terrible husband, and he would beat her all the time. He would give her a demand of things to do, a list of to-dos, and would beat her if they weren't done. And she couldn't stand it, but every day she just stuck it out and did the list. But one day the man died, and this Poor girl, after all that she went through, decided to just go at it alone. After all that was done, she couldn't even think about being with another man. But after a while, she softened again and met a different one. And he was kind and considerate and not forceful. And she was deeply in love with him. And so they got married. He was careful with her, knowing all that had happened and all that she had gone through. So he was careful with helping her heal from all of that until she was finally whole and full of joy again. And so one day, she's cleaning the house, lifts up one of the couch cushions, and finds one of her old husband's list of to-dos. And she looked at it and started to cry because she saw all of these things that he would demand that she would do. But now, she was doing all of them and more, and she was happy doing them. And this is the point. When you love the person that gives you the law, They're no longer just responsibilities. They are enjoyable to do. When you love God and trust His character, you will do the legal requirements that the law demands, but you do it for a completely different motive, not to get something from Him, but because you've already gotten everything you could ever ask from Him. You actually want to do what you ought to do. And that's how in this room right now, there are people who serve at church, who read their Bible, who post nice Jesus posts, but one is a Christian and the other is a counterfeit. Some of you do all the church things, but maybe you do it for yourself, for what you get out of it, for who you impress, for the image you need to carry, for the person you are dating, and others do it for a completely different 
reason, and it's your heart, your supreme choice in life that evidences which God you serve. And so right here and now, God wants to change every heart, wants every heart to belong to Him, to do something phenomenal with it. He wants people to come back to Him because He sees that He is the most valuable choice in all the world, not arbitrarily, not just because He says so, but because with an infinite wisdom and knowledge, looking throughout all of the universe, if there was something better than Him, being unselfish, He would say, you serve that thing, follow that thing. But there is nothing that is wise like He is. There is no one unselfish like He is. God doesn't hold grudges and He is not petty. He is the pinnacle of maturity and wisdom and love and patience and forgiveness. And in a moment, He will take you completely as you are. But don't make the mistake to believe He will not leave you that way. And He refuses to let you stay that way. You can be right with God because Jesus has made that possible. Sin and self-centered living cost God His Son's life. So nowhere in Scripture will you find that He tolerates it or makes excuses for it. All true men and women of God, to the best of their knowledge, forsake all known selfishness. And they actively want to. It's enjoyable to do. So as I finish, tonight's counterfeit convert is what can be known, or what people will call, a carnal Christian. Two weeks ago, they talked about people-pleasers. And tonight is what people in the church may call a carnal Christian, which is a fancy way of saying you are a sinning saint, you are a heavenly devil, or some weird thing like that. It means you are the one whose actions all indicate that you love God, but your heart indicates that you actually love yourself. And if this is you, from a heart of unselfish love, God wants to free you from this need to do anything you desire, from this inability to not do whatever it is you're feeling. This, Essentially, the slavery of you to your own feelings and your own desires. He wants to free you from those. He can put a new heart in each one of us and make you a new person. And He'll do it if you truly want it. And He'll meet you if you truly want Him. If you want God, He will give Himself to you. But that is the condition. He said, you will seek Me and you will find Me if you seek Me with all of your heart. If it's some half-hearted thing like, oh, well, you know, if I see God, I'll give Him something. Like, oh, sure. Oh, not my girlfriend. Not, I'm not letting go of that. Career, don't touch that. Like, if anything is off limits for Him, that's, that's not the conditions. It's either I'm all yours if you're there or I'm not. Does it make sense? The ones who are set on having God are known by their desire to not have anything stand in the way of being with Him. So what now? Tomorrow, tonight, it doesn't matter. If you're someone who really wants to know and be near God, then you need to be alone with Him. No music, no doing something, no multitasking, no taking Him along with your chores or going on a drive. You sit alone with Him and you ask Him, Is this me? Is my life 
about me or is it about you? And if you really want the truth and are ready to do something about it, He will meet you and He will speak to you. But if your heart is hardened at this thought of your actions being questioned, your church, your church service being questioned, then I would I plead with you to change your thinking before you become so hard you won't ever change. And if you haven't given your life over to God yet, then I hope you see clearly that God doesn't want the things you do. He wants your heart. He wants the reason that you're living. And I hope you see that His intentions are only ever unselfishly choosing for each one of you and all of the world. That is always His intention. In Psalms it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Just in case some of you thought actually examining yourself is unbiblical or heretical. <clears throat> I hope you guys want to examine yourselves. And anyone who wants to be near to God, you have to. Writing this all week, that was all I did. I did it today before Kai Alpha. I was like writing this. I'm like, I am afraid of it being me. Because it's so subtle how easy it shifts from your life living for Him to living for yourself again. From being up here for me or being up here for Him. For what I get out of it or what He gets out of it. Make sense? So Jesus, we love You. I pray that You would draw people to Yourself. Help people to hear You clearly, God. I pray that the hearts that are intent on having You would make time to be near to You, would make time to sit alone with You, and Jesus, you have to do what you said you do. If they seek you with all their heart, you have to let them have you. You have to let them find you. You have to let them hear your voice clearly. Jesus, help us to be a Chi Alpha that truly loves you, that lives our life solely and supremely for you, and seeing the freedom in it, the freedom from all that once was. Thank you, God, for making so many new, for changing our hearts, for taking us from all that was awful and just in our eyes before so good. Thank you for showing us a new joy, a new life, and a new goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.